Look, you ask me to act natural, I'm acting natural. In fact, in the circumstances, I think I had to get a fucking Academy Award for how natural I'm acting. You ask me to get rid of him, I'm doing my best. Well, your best better get a hell of a lot fucking better, or you are going to feel a hell of a lot fucking worse. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. <laughs> Have you ever been in a, in a Turkish prison? Joey, you like movies about gladiators. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Movie Sucktastic. You're probably all wondering why I played the audio from From Dust Till Dawn at the beginning of the show. Well, there's good reason for that. And the reason for that is because the actor in that scene, his name is John Hawks, and he's being nominated for Best Supporting Actor this year in Winter's Bone. Now, I guess when he did that film and Tarantino give, gave him the dialogue of he should get an Academy Award for how calm uh, he's being and not leading on uh, the sheriff that was in the store... I guess he really didn't actually think one day that he might be nominated for an Academy Award for his acting. So it's kind of ironic in that sense a little bit. But, uh, and that's why I played the audio. Because, you know, you look back then, which is now, wow, God, 15 years ago, it, uh, it comes full circle, I guess, sometimes. And me having seen all 10 goddamn Oscar films, Winner's Bone was a great film. John Hawks was excellent in it. Will he win Best Supporting Actor? I really don't think so. I think it's going to go to Christian Bale this year. Uh, deservedly so, because if you watch video of the original character, um, which was uh, Dickie Eklund, and Christian Bale's character in the film The Fighter, it, it was the exact same person. Even Christian Bale lost weight for the role and everything. And you know what? I really thought he should have gotten an Academy Award nomination. Maybe not the win, but damn well close to it for The Machinist. He was phenomenal in that role. And he lost a tre- more weight than he lost for The Fighter, but almost close to it. Uh, in The Machinist, I think he got down to 100 and... I want to say 140 pounds. Maybe a little less. Maybe 120. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, it's just interesting that John Hawks was nominated for an Academy Award this year, or I should say 2010. Uh, But more importantly, you're probably asking yourselves, where's Scott? Scott can't be with us today, so I'm going to be running my first solo episode, a movie castastic episode, so to say. Uh, Scott just couldn't make it today. He's very busy with life and work and school and usually we get together every year. Last year we did a live show, which I thought went excellent. Uh, you know, things like that. We couldn't do it this year. So this year, you know, I'm going to do this episode solo. Plus I'm going to be doing future episodes solo. And so will Scott. And we'll get together as we always do. You'll still get those episodes. But what I'd like to do right now, what I'd like to do right now is talk a little bit about the top ten. Top 10. 
which is for February 25th through February 27th. So I'm not going to get into it real deep with the numbers and all that. I know I care about the numbers, but not everybody else does. I'm just going to briefly roll through this, do the finger list. I love doing the finger list. That's one of my favorite reasons for even doing this. So the number one film for February 25th through 27th was Nomeo and Juliet. This is in its third week with a uh, tally of $14 million over the weekend. Now, it made 75 total, but the funny thing I see, it hasn't been reviewed very well at all. It looks terrible. When I saw the original trailer for it, I thought that it looked terrible. They don't have a budget next to the film, which certainly means that it, it, it cost in excess of $100 million. Will it make its money back here? Yeah, sure. Will kids still go see it? Yeah. Is it in 3D? Fucking God, why does everything have to be in 3D if it's associated with kids? So that's the number one movie. Moving on is the number two film, which is Hall Pass and its opening weekend with $13 million. Have no desire to see this. Uh, it looks... It's a Farrelly Brothers film. They... They tend to do things like this type of movie. There's only a couple of characters that I see in the film that are repeat characters that they've had in other films. Uh, you know what? It's just another one of the, it's. It's here. It'll be gone in a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, and then straight to DVD before you can say Easter. You know, it's just going to be one of those types of movies. Uh, Thirty-six million the budget. Yeah. It won't bomb. It'll make its money. I mean, you always have the foreign market, too, plus your DVD sales, Blu-ray, shit like that. Uh, so, moving on, the number three movie, Unknown, the new Liam Neeson film, which I guess they took they took the success that he had uh, with, uh, what was that film that he did? Gotta be more prepared, Joey. Uh, it was Taken. Sorry. I apologize. Taken. Uh, great film. Some great scenes. Great action. And from what I understand, this is supposed to be a very good film, too. Uh, and they're just, you know, they're just banking on... They're just banking on uh, the success of that film and, and are hoping to get more of a success with this one. This is in its second week. $12 million. It's made 42 total. Costs $30. they are in the green. Anything from here on in is just pure profit. Uh, the number four film, Just Go With It, in its fourth week. I'm sorry, third week. And you know what? Say what you will about Adam Sandler. His movies may suck. Uh, he's gotten past the point of being funny. Uh, Jennifer Aniston is in the movie. She really hasn't done anything since Friends. Uh, she's had a couple of movies here and there, but never anything for her in a leading role where it's like... I have to see this movie. She looks that good. Um, the I guess the only movie that she was in for me that I thought was that excellent, and it wasn't even because of her, uh, but it was the film Derailed. She was really good in that, but it wasn't really her that sold that movie. It was everything else around it. She just happened to be in it. But if you haven't seen the movie Derailed, absolutely see it. Uh, great film, excellent plot structure, all the way down to the end scene. Everything is just done very well in that one. I, I, I you know what? See that. Don't, don't see. Just go with it. See that instead. Uh, 
go to your video store, Netflix it, uh, Netflix it, or anything you know like that, you're better off. Uh, the number five movie. I am number four. This is a Twilight type film, but with aliens. I've come to Earth. I'm the number four. There's other aliens with other numbers trying to kill me. Uh, alien meets girl. Alien gets girl. Alien saves girl. Who fucking cares? Uh, that came in at number five with eleven million dollars. Cost sixty. It's made thirty-seven. I'm sure it'll do very, very well. They're going for Twilight with it. It just didn't happen. So hopefully we won't see a I am number whatever the sequel. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, the number six film, Justin Bieber, Never Say Never. Nine million this weekend. Uh, cost 13 million. I mean, probably half of that was for food. I mean, it's basically, for all intents and purposes, a documentary uh, about his, I believe, Madison Square Garden concert. So they're shooting with that. Uh, it's made 62 million. Made over $30 million its opening weekend. Just all your teeny boppers went to see it that opening weekend. And it's just totally trailing off a bit. But still, you make a movie for $13 million, make 62 you're fine. And unfortunately, that would just mean that there's going to be another Justin Bieber film. Oh, did I mention that it's in 3D? Why does it have to be in 3D? Really? Why? 3D has just gone beyond the point of tolerable for me. Uh, it just, video games, and I've said this a million times with Scott, video games may make 3D accessible to the point of where people make might care. But I just don't see that. I really don't. Vid- I truly believe video games are the only thing that can save 3D. But that's me. The number seven film, The King's Speech. $7 million, $15 million to make, $115 million is its total. Let's not even talk any more about it. It was a very good film. I'll talk a little bit more about it when I do the Oscar, uh, the Oscar films. Uh, the number eight film, Big Mamas, like father, like son, with $7 million, $32 million to cost, $28 million on the gross. Uh, Martin Lawrence needs a check. I don't know. There's absolutely no reason for a third film. I'm even surprised that Paul Giamatti stuck around to make the second film with Martin Lawrence. It just... Why? It, Martin Lawrence is bored. I, I mean, that's basically all I can think of. There's no reason for this movie. Absolutely no reason for this movie. So, what are you going to do? It's just total crap. Uh, you know what? I apologize. Paul Giamatti was not in the second film. He decided to opt out of that one, too. Smart man. When you're getting nominated every couple of years for an Oscar, you do things like that. You know when to say no to a film like Big Mama's House 2. So, I mean, I mean, that's all you can really say about Big Mama's House 3. So, I mean, what are you going to do? They make them, people see them. It's, it's going to be around. Whatever. Okay, moving on. The number nine movie, Drive Angry. This is a colossal bomb. Again, no budget next to the film. It's in its opening weekend. It made $5 million. It has 
no cost. It just there's nothing to say about it. Nick Cage just is making movies because of of his financial problems. That's all there is to it. He pulls out a movie like Kick Ass out of nowhere. I guess when you do so many movies, one of them is eventually going to be good. Uh, this isn't going to be one of them. I'm sure it's not. You know, the only good good thing about it is the incredibly hot Amber Heard is in it. Uh, from what I understand, her acting is pretty bad in it too, but when you look that good, who fucking cares? You know, that was an argument made with Megan Fox for a long time, and it's gotten to the point where no one cares, even though she's attractive. She isn't at that point yet. You know, she does a couple of more movies like this, and then she will. She'll be totally forgettable uh, character. Uh, or actor, I should say. And the number 10 film, The Roommate. With $2 million in its eighth week. $16 million it costs. $35 million is the gross. Now, why don't they just call this single white female? Because it is the same exact plot. All the way down to the roommate wanting to look like the girl... Uh, taking her boyfriend, it just, it's pathetic, is what it really is, it should not have been made, unless it was going to be called Single White Female, they're just pussyfooting around the title, to call it something else, because the, the targeted audience probably is too young to even have seen the original Single White Female, it's only guys like me, or guys like Scott, who have seen the first, that make that connection, that this should be single white female. So, this film, again, it's made its money back, t- double that with the foreign market. Not that they'll make a sequel, but you're just going to see crap like this at a steady stream in theater. Okay, so that's your top 10. And my favorite part is the finger list. Now, ah! if you don't know what the finger list is, basically, what that is is going to entail is, let's say you're out with your girlfriend, your wife, your significant other, whatever. You're at the movie, you're looking at the marquee, you say to yourself, honey, I would rather cut off my pinky finger than to see that movie. So that's what the finger list is. My movie, my fingerless film, I mean, it can't get any easier, but I would rather cut off my pinky and take the pain than to go see Justin Bieber, Never Say Never. Call me crazy, but why would I want to go see that? First of all, there's going to be nothing but 12, 13, 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds in the theater. Now, for some, and you know who you are, you may not have a problem with it. I, on the other hand, would rather blow my own brains out, but not before cutting my pinky finger off than to see that piece of shit. So, that's the top 10. That's the finger list. I'm going to take my first break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about Oscars. Be right back.
we're back. All right. Now, I'm doing the show the day of the Oscars, uh, which is today's February 27th. And the Oscars are this evening in roughly about four and a half hours, around four o'clock right now. The the thing the reason why I wanted to do the Oscar films is so that we had at least a show where we talk about the films. Maybe not at length. I'm not going to do that. There's only going to be about a 45 minute episode, uh, maybe an hour if I get lost here. But I, I wanted to do a show so that you know Scott and I could also do a show about what films had won, and maybe we won't. But I figured we should at least have an Oscar show. So that's why I'm doing this. So the first film I'd like to talk about is Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. Again, this is a very sensitive film to talk about the plot because anything I could say could just steer you off and give you, uh, you know, major plot points and, and, you know, the ending could be revealed and, you know, all things like that. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say that I did see it. I did enjoy it. And... Natalie Portman, I'm saying it now, will win the Oscar for Best Actress. It's just, it's going to happen. There is no other actress in the category against her that's better in anything. And what I really want to talk about, though, isn't even Black Swan so much, but it's about Aronofsky. Back when Batman Begins had come out, or before it had come out, they approached Aronofsky to do it. He wanted to stick more closely to year one, Batman year one. And that's great. I applaud him for that. Uh, but Warner Brothers, they said yeah, they were all fine with it, but he ended up backing out for whatever reason. I think it was more or less that he couldn't direct it exactly the way he wanted, so he just thought it would be better to back out. And that's fine. Christopher Nolan picked up the reins, and you have two phenomenal films in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And there, you know, Batman Begins is all year one. Uh, you know, Nolan did change up some things. He made it a little bit more realistic, less comic booky, which I have to admit I do like that take on the character because it is just a a real guy who dresses up as a bat, who has toys and uh, you know all kinds of you know grappling hooks and, and and whatnot, climbs buildings on his own, hand glides with the the bat wings on his suit. The fact that he made it a little bit more realistic. I, I I applaud for that as well. But here's my thing. The next film, The Dark Knight Rises, will be Nolan's last Batman film. He's already said it. He wants to make it his trilogy. So you know the third film, in my opinion, is going to be excellent because Nolan's going to do everything he can to make sure that this trilogy is his perfect trilogy. It's Cash Cow. Nolan has revived the franchise to to the point of where it's going to make close to a billion dollars before it even hits DVD and Blu-ray. Now, my thing is, based on what I saw in Black Swan, based on some of the imagery and some of the really dark scenes in Black Swan, I would be very interested to see what Aronofsky can do after Nolan is done with the Batman franchise. Just anyone that's seen Black Swan, you know what I'm talking about. Just this, there's certain scenes in the movie where you can take a look at how dark those scenes are, the way they move, you know, the way scenes are acted. 
what could Aronofsky do with Batman? And I, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, it just that obviously wouldn't even happen until after. I mean, they may contract Aronofsky. He's doing the Wolverine, so he's going to be doing a comic book movie soon. So it'd be interesting to see what he can do with that, and if it's a hit and people are receptive to it, he'll probably get Batman. But I think it'll be based on how and what he does with the Wolverine. So that that's my whole thing with it. I'm just going to move on now to The Fighter, which I actually saw the other night. Uh, I've already said earlier, Christian Bale, absolutely getting the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, he was very good as Mickey Ward. Uh, his character was flat in some scenes and some in others. And you, the, My personal thing with it was there are certain scenes where you believe he's Mickey Ward and then there are certain scenes where you think he's Marky Mark. Uh, but overall, he's a good actor. I have no problems with him. Uh, it just... That's my whole take on it. Amy Adams was excellent. She... What could I say? I love a redhead. I married one. She's a redhead in this movie. She's a natural redhead, as it is. She is like my quintessential redhead uh, as far as attraction. But that plays no part in that. I, in thinking that she's a good actress, although it does help sometimes. It just the fighter winning best picture? Nah. Black Swan? Nah. I'll give you my prediction of what will win and what I think should win because I have seen all of the movies. Uh, moving on. Inception. Christopher Nolan. Uh, Scott said it wouldn't get nominated. I said from the beginning, after I walked out of that theater, this will be nominated for best picture. I also thought Shutter Island should have been nominated for best picture. But, of course, it wasn't. I have a feeling that it was too early in the year, and it was essentially forgotten about. When you waste a nomination on a film like Toy Story 3, a film like Shutter Island, in my opinion, it just should have been in that spot. And it not being in that spot is just a real crime, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong, Toy Story 3 was great. I saw the first two. I love the first two. I like the third one. It was a good movie. But it's going to win its best animated uh, category. It's going to do that. Pixar it almost always wins the best animated category. Wasting a nomination for it in Best Picture as well? I'm sorry. We're beyond the point. Even though we're at 10 films, I know they wanted to stir things up. You're going to see movies nominated that you wouldn't normally see nominated. That's why you saw Avatar in District 9 last year. Scott argues that Avatar was nominated and they had to nominate District 9 because of it. And in some respects, that is true. I don't buy it 100% though. I think District 9 was that good of a film and Avatar was not that good of a film. But because... The movie made nearly $3 billion. They have to justify, you know, the, the cost of the film and it making $3 billion. Obviously, people must love this movie. It made $3 billion. That's why it was nominated. District 9, on the other hand, does everything better than Avatar. Now, you know, we talked about this last year. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not. I'm just not. Let's get back to Inception. Uh, everything including Leonardo DiCaprio's performance in Inception, was top-notch. He wasn't nominated for Best Actor, I think more or less because of something Scott and I had talked about in an earlier episode. It's very hard for him 
to not be Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie. You know, that's why he grows the facial hair. Uh, that's why he takes on more serious roles. He stays away from the romantic comedy type stuff. Uh, but a movie like Shutter Island, he did stray away from Leonardo DiCaprio. He was a different character. You know, there are plot points that leading up to the end of the film where you just, when you finally do get to the end, you're just, you're very satisfied with his performance. Not that I'm saying that there's someone that should have been knocked off as far as best actor for him. He's going to win one. He's due. He's going to win one, and it may be next year, maybe in five years, maybe in you know 10 or 20 years. But he's not going to be one of those actors that will never, ever, ever win one, like a you know Harrison Ford or uh, uh, what's-his-face... Uh, I can't remember his name. The guy that was in my 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 favorite year, he gets nominated all the time, but uh, he doesn't he doesn't always uh, or he's never won. I should say. You know what? I, I feel like I have OCD sometimes, and I'm I'm not going to <laughs> I'm not going to be able to continue the show unless I get you the name of this actor, and uh, that's Peter O'Toole. All right, Peter O'Toole. Uh, you know, one quick thing with Peter O'Toole, he. When he got his uh, Lifetime Achievement Academy Award, he didn't want it. He didn't want it at all. He said, I'm not dead yet. I'm still acting. I could win one. And ever since he got that Academy Award for Lifetime Achievement, he's been nominated almost every year. I don't think he's not nominated this year, but since he got that, I would have to say he's been nominated either every year or every other year. He's just. He is on the top of his game, and I would see I would see him win an Oscar before Harrison Ford ever would. That's the other problem, Harrison Ford. He's Harrison Ford in every movie. But I'm getting off topic. There's Scott's not here to smack me around and say, let's move on. So I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to police myself. I'm sorry. Uh, but Inception, you know, just to finish with that, phenomenal movie. Truly, truly phenomenal movie. We'll talk about you know more later when I make my prediction for best picture. Uh, moving on, the kids are all right. It might be in the best picture category, almost because of of subject matter, because it is a unique story. Not that it wasn't a bad film; it wasn't. It was a good film, but it does hit on different areas of uh, acting. is a big strong point for the film. Maybe not plot. But acting is very good. Uh, Annette Benning is excellent in the film. Julianne Moore. Mark Ruff- Ruffalo. I believe it's Mark Ruffalo. Uh, they're all great. And when you really get down to it, the movie as a whole, it's just an enjoyable film. It's just, it really is. Uh, a lot of people don't like this type of movie. Me, normally, I don't. I, I don't go out and I see this film. I just, I don't. doesn't look like it would be a bad film to me. So, okay, let's watch it. Plus, it's also nominated for Best Picture. That's another reason why I ended up seeing it. And I'm glad I did. I really enjoyed the film. And I think if you haven't seen it yet, you should. Uh, it's just, like I said, all around great movie. Uh, moving on. The King's Speech. <sighs> you take a period piece... And that's essentially what this is. And that's really all you need 
unfortunately, in this day and age, as far as Oscars goes, all you really need is a period piece that just isn't complete shit. If you make a period piece with a halfway decent plot, make sure your costumes are great because you'll get that nomination too. If you, it, it just, there's so many factors. You want to get nominated, make it a period piece, make sure the costumes are great, and make something as absurd as some guy stammering in a movie and have a, a speech coach who's, you know, hard to the nose, he's going to get in his face, he's going to make him not stammer. There you go. It's your perfect recipe for an Oscar film. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, it was all right. I, it wasn't a bad movie. Does it need to be nominated for Best Picture? Hardly. Should it win? Absolutely not. Will it win? We'll talk about that in a minute. Moving on. 127 hours. Danny Boyle. From a guy that started off the movie that really made him famous uh, and gave him real notoriety uh, in train spotting, then goes off and does, what, what was it, The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio, and then does a complete 180 and does 28 Days Later. And none of those movies were terrible. They were all excellent. He is just getting better. He's like a fine wine at this point. He's just getting better as he goes. If you haven't seen 127 Hours, absolutely see it. If you're saying to yourself, how are they going to make somebody trapped in a in the bottom of a cavern with his arms stuck for an hour and a half interesting, they somehow, they did it, and it works, but they did it. James Franco excellent. He's by himself for 90% of the film. It's just him, and you wouldn't have it any other way. The scene where, and I, you know what, if you don't know the story, I won't give anything away, but when it gets to that point, when it gets to that point in the movie where it's him, The Rock, and his only way out, you will be forced to watch but you'll want to turn away but you won't and there are scenes that happen that lead up to that and then what actually does happen happens it's just the way it's done just see it it's just a really good film if you don't have a short attention span and you don't drool into a cup you'll like it that's just my (laughs) that's just my opinion uh moving on toy story 3 Now, I talked about it earlier. I'm not going to talk about it really anything at all, but it's a good film. It's a fun film. Tom Hanks as Woody is great. It just... Tim Allen uh, as well. Toy Story 3? Yeah, it's fun. Does it deserve to be nominated for Best Picture? No way. Give me a break. Absolutely not. Will it win its Best Animated? Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind, I would put every penny I have in the bank on it right now that I would uh, say that Toy Story 3 will win its best animated. Uh, Moving on. True Grit. The Coen Brothers remake of True Grit. In very much comparable to the original John Wayne film, there's a lot of scenes that are almost verbatim. It is more close to the book than the original John Wayne film. Uh, it's got Coen Brothers 
all over it. And, you know, they decided that it would be better to stick closer to the book. And because of that, you get a much better film than I would say the original True Grit is. Uh, Is True Grit a bad movie? You know, the original? No, of course not. It's fun. I mean, it's John Wayne movie. How do you not love a John Wayne movie? John Wayne got his Oscar for that film. Will Jeff Bridges get his Oscar for this? No, he won't. Because Colin Firth is going to get it for the King's Speech. Because he bloody well stammers. It just, Jeff Bridges, well, not that he's going to be robbed. I would say James Franco would be more robbed uh, for Best Actor than I would say Jeff Bridges because Colin Firth will get for the King's Speech. If the Coen Brothers isn't your cup of tea, you're not going to like it. Every Coen Brothers film, if it's not your cup of tea, you're not going to like it. And that would bring to my cinematic confessional, but I'll do that later. It has a connection to the Coen Brothers. Uh, Moving on, Winner's Bone. I'm not going to say anything about Winner's Bone other than to just see it. Excellent film. John Hawks uh, is in the movie, which is, that's how I started the show. With the audio from Dust Till Dawn. Um, it, it's just... Jennifer Lawrence is excellent. John Hawks is excellent. Everybody is excellent. The plot. Everything is excellent. So, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. I think it's coming out soon on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. The final film... The final film is The Social Network. Now, the reason I left this for last is because I believe that this film should win Best Picture. It is, for all intents and purposes, the best film I've seen this year, hands down, with Inception and 127 Hours right behind it. Those are my top three for 2010. It Shutter Island would be in there too, but it's not nominated, so I'm not going to go there. But Scott, he exploded a couple of episodes back about the social network being about rich people having problems, and it's really, I know he thinks that, but it's really more than that. It leads up to The Accidental Billionaire, which is what the book is called. Uh, What's-his-face, um... I don't know, Zuckerberg, he, I mean, he was a programmer in Harvard, and he was very smart, he was approached with an idea for something called the Harvard Connection, which was a website that they were trying to make for only Harvard students to be able to access, and you would have everything from when's the next party, and, you know, we're doing this on this day, and we're doing this on this day, and here's pictures of it, And he just had this flash of genius where he said, well, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it better. And I'm going to add more schools. It's not just going to be Harvard. It's going to be this many schools and then this many schools. And then at some point, he had over 100 different schools all interconnected. And it was called The Facebook. And then it was later changed to just Facebook. Just everything that leads up to it. The whole storyline, the way everything progresses, how everything pans out, how the movie ends, just is so best picture material, it's not even funny. 
I normally just don't care about the Oscars anymore. This movie was so good, I would act I will actually be disappointed tonight when it doesn't win because the king's fucking speech is going to win tonight and you can bank on that. That is my prediction. What should win? The social network. What will win? The king's speech. Would I be disappointed to see Inception win? Of course not. I loved Inception. But I would rather see just about anything but Toy Story 3 win Best Picture over The King's Speech. It is a pointless film. It is a period piece. It is why it will win Best Picture tonight. Bank on it. So that is the the 10 films nominated for Best Picture, which is tonight. And just before I go to break, real quick, my whole thing with the 10 nominations, you know, their whole thing with it was, you're going to see more movies nominated than you ever did before, and there's going to be more opportunities for other films to win, and I have to be honest, I am completely underwhelmed by having 10 nominations, it just is a it's more of a pain in the ass for me to see 10 movies watching movies isn't a big deal but the fact that I have to watch normally have had to watch 5 a lot of the times mediocre films was bad enough but now I have to watch nearly 10 mediocre films it's worse out of the 10 I'd say maybe 3 or 4 of those I truly truly loved um that's just me every year when five were nominated usually one rarely two I would say these two movies are that good they should be here for the most part the Oscars as a kid growing up and even into my teenage years and my early 20s I really enjoyed watching the Oscars I looked forward to it every year now getting older getting wiser more mature things like things of that nature you truly see that it it really is just a it's just a, an award party for everyone to just congratulate themselves on how great they are. You see that as you get older. You know, you don't see that growing up. You don't see that maybe when you're in high school. Uh you kind of see it in your 20s, at least I did, but you didn't care. You you rooted for your movie and then when it lost you were mad. At this point in my life, you know, I have a kid now. You know, I own a home. Uh, I pay my bills. You just you don't care about things like that anymore. And other things become more important. Things like that become less significant. It's just the way it is. And for me personally, and I think Scott's on this boat with me, we just don't care about the Oscars enough anymore. And we certainly don't care about the movies nominated enough. Uh, every once in a while you get a movie, like for me this year, it's The Social Network. I think that was just a phenomenal film, and I I will be disappointed tonight if it doesn't win. As far as any of the other categories, nah. What, what The categories that interest me more nowadays, things like cinematography and special effects and sound and sound design, because when it, when, when it all comes down to your movie, if you don't have great sound and you don't have great cinematography, uh, you don't have things like, I don't want to say the little people, but in essence, when you compare it to things like, you know, $200 million budgets, $300 million budgets, they're the guys that really make your movie. 
Yeah, you get, you know, your actors and your actresses, you know, good performances. Your director, he needs to know how to, you know, put these pieces of the puzzle together. But when you get a true tour de force of a movie, everything has to click. And that includes the little guys. And I don't think they get enough credit. And when it really comes down to it, they're making your movie. So for me, those awards, I kind of... I look forward to those more than really anything else because they're the guys that I that I look up to in this day and age. But uh, that's really it uh, for the Oscars. So I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to give you my cinem- cinematic confessional and uh, that, that'll be fun. All right? I'll be right back. Yeah, we both did. She went to college, too. I went to Normandale for about a year and a half. Yeah, that's where we met. But I dropped out, though. Yeah, she dropped. Yeah. So where are you girls from? Chaska. Lesueur. But I went to high school in White Bear Lake. Go Bears. Okay. I want you to tell me what these fellas looked like. Well, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. In what way? I don't know, just funny looking. Can you be any more specific? I couldn't really say. He wasn't circumcised. Was he funny looking apart from that? Yeah. So, you were having sex with a little fella then? Uh Uh-huh. Is there anything else you can tell me about him? No. Like I say, he was funny looking. More than most people, even. What about the other fella? He was a little older. You know, he looked like the Marlboro Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But maybe I'm saying that, you know, because he smoked a lot of Marlboros. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like a subconscious type of thing. Oh, yeah, that can happen. Yeah. Hey, they said they were going to the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, is that useful to you? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. My name is Joey. This is my first confessional. I've never confessed. I beg for your forgiveness. Back in 1996... Friends of mine, who will remain nameless, wanted to go see Fargo. And I said, sure, let's go see Fargo. I love the Coen brothers. So, we go out, get something to eat, we go to a local diner. We then head over to the Essex Green Theater in West Orange, which is where we saw a lot of our films back in the day. Except, without telling me, they decided to bring Robitussin and do a Robitussin power hour. This is my confession. I have never told anyone this before. I, again, cannot name names. One of them is, well, let's, we'll just say famous at this point in his life but my confessional is more or less one that that happened second the fact that I fucking hated Fargo for years because of this incident every time it would be on it would take me back to that horrible evening that I encountered do you know what it's like to sit next to someone doing shots of Robitussin every 15 minutes, yelling at the screen, screaming, 
Someone better fucking die soon or we're going to fucking leave. Things like that for nearly two hours. It's one of those one of those things where a great film like Fargo was reduced down to nothing but oh this is on again fuck this and I would change the channel it's really a crime if you really think about it as we were leaving I dropped off both friends of mine at their respective homes on my trip home even on the radio someone was just ranting and raving about how great Fargo was and there I am screaming at the radio yelling you don't know what the fuck happened tonight and uh, things of that nature and it realistically it probably wasn't until I want to say 2001 before I decided to put things to the side and just sit down without my wife, just by myself, and just rewatch that movie and just let all those negative thoughts and things from the past about what happened that evening just let it go. I have to say, Fargo is now one of my favorite films, one of my favorite Coen Brothers films, but for years hated that movie with a passion with an absolute passion that it is so undeserving of. It just completely and utterly doesn't deserve that kind of hatred I had for it. On that, I think I'm going to end the show with that. Uh, So that's my confessional. You know, I didn't make it a long one. It doesn't need to be sometimes. Sometimes it's just, you know, to the point and you're good. Scott will be on the next episode, or he will be doing a solo, or if I can, if we can get the time together, we'll do our show through Skype, which is what currently working on. I have a headset, which is what this show was recorded with. Hopefully the quality is up to par with everyone. If you want to visit the site, I just completely revamped it, completely, I stripped it down, completely redone, brand new MP3 player to stream the show from. Uh, I can do things like album art now, so you can click on an episode and instead of just seeing our logo, we have album art that specifically shows you what that episode's about. You know, the top ten is still there. You can get us on iTunes, you can get us on Podcast Alley, you can get us on Podcast.com. Although, Podcast and PodcastAlley.com have been real flaky. They are not showing any new episodes past episode 21 for some reason. I've been going through the forums and I've been reading a lot that if you're not a top 10 show or a top 20 show, they're not updating it anymore. But with that, I recommend listening to it on the site or I recommend downloading it for free through iTunes or downloading it for free through our site. You can download every episode and then you can put it on any listening device that you have. Uh, you can email us at themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. You can uh, get in touch with Scott through smichaelwilson.com. You can buy either his book, Perform Live by Lugosi, which just got released, or Monster Rally, which I actually have an article in. Uh, it's excellent stuff. Anywhere that you go, if you even just did a search for Movie Sucktastic, you will find us. There is no excuse 
There is no excuse for not listening to the show unless you hate us, which is understandable. And China, I know you're listening. I cannot ignore the bandwidth from China anymore. It is through the roof. Uh, if you wanted to just you know, put in a simple format, if the United States was on a scale of 100%, if the United States was 50% of the bandwidth, China's 40% of the bandwidth. For whatever reason, almost 100% of our bandwidth is coming from China and the U.S., and then the other 10% are you know, everybody else. But China, we're li- we, we know you're listening, so expect some episodes... Uh, based on uh, Chinese cinema in the very near future from Movie Fantastic. We're going to do that. So, this is Joey for Scott, signing off, and I will catch you another time.